season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. To the JKR podcast today, we have Illinois native, former USA Prime and Red Scout team left-handed pitcher, and 2023 signee to Florida State baseball. We got Brady Locke on the podcast. Brady, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. And I, I, I guess usually I do ask how to pronounce the last names. I guess I kind of forgot there. Did I pronounce that right? Uh, yes, it is Locke. Okay, perfect. All Lauk. right. So, sorry, what was that? Locke. Locke. Okay, so I kind yeah, of. All right, Lauk. All right. Um, no, but before we kind of get into the baseball side of things, I do have one question that I like to ask everybody that they that I get on the podcast, and that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Brady Lauk? Um, so I would say Brady Lauk is a um is a Florida State baseball signee. Um, he's from Plainfield, Illinois, and uh, was a Plainfield East High School left-hander pitcher. Okay, perfect. All right, so let's kind of dig into the recruiting process. Like you said, committed to Florida State. You were committed – I mean, sorry, you're signed at Florida State as of last week when uh, National Signing Day. Um, You were committed to Notre Dame there for a little bit as well. So kind of let's just dig into the recruiting process, Um, just kind of dig into both of them and how you ended up at both those schools for a second. Um, So just take us through that whole recruiting process, that first recruiting process, how it all got started, and when it was that D1 team started reaching out to you. Okay, Um. yeah, so – um it was around the first uh recruiting process was around um my freshman year uh freshman year fall was when it really like started to like build up I'd say um that's when I really knew I was kind of like in the recruiting process um but I'm not sure exactly when Notre Dame first saw me I'm not sure exactly when but that's around the general time um and then once it got to be my freshman summer, that's where it really, really picked up. Um, and then after the my summer, then I committed Notre Dame originally. So okay. so was Notre Dame the first school that kind of reached out to you, or were there some other couple schools that reached out before Notre Dame? No, there were some other schools. Okay. So what were some of those initial conversations like with Notre Dame, um, with potentially some of those other schools that reached out before them? Uh, just kind of take us through what some of those initial conversations are like and kind of what's just going through your head as you're a – 14, 15 year old freshman in high school, and you're talking to some of these power five programs. Just gotta take a mm-hmm. Yeah. So originally when I'm talking to the schools, I'm just asking just general questions to start off with because I don't really know much. Um, because I don't go there obviously. So I'm just asking general questions and it starts gradually getting to into deeper things of what like the baseball program does. Um, and then more specific things with what they do with their pitchers and stuff like that. Okay, so with you committing Notre Dame there, you said uh, the end of your freshman summer, uh, were there a couple other schools that you potentially looked into quite a bit and potentially finished second or third kind of in that decision process? Uh, yes, there were. There was a few others, but um, I think once I got offered by Notre Dame, it was kind of a, um, this is really what I want to do, uh, and this is by far the best option for me. Okay, so what was it that stood out at Notre Dame um, there that ahead of some of those other schools that reached out to you? Um, I think it's uh, 
one of the biggest reasons was Notre Dame being like a national kind of um, program. I don't know how to say it. Um, like they're so well like known from all around the country. Um, and then obviously they're one of the top academic schools in the country too. So that was kind of the, um, and the coaching staff too. That's obviously why I then went to Florida State with the coaching staff. So that was another huge part of it. Okay. So you mentioned academics there a little bit. I'm just trying to take us what, like, are you planning on, what are you planning on majoring? Um, at, I guess not, what are you planning on majoring in at FSU and kind of, um, just what are you looking forward to when it comes to college, uh, college, uh, classes? So, um, I'm planning on majoring in finance, um, but I'm not sure like completely exactly what I would like to do with that, but that is what I'm looking to um, major in. Okay. All right. So you said the coaching chair, so you're committed to Notre Dame there for two, two and a half years. And then that coaching change here this past summer uh, where the coaching staff kind of, kind of took a different direction, went away from Notre Dame. Uh, so kind of take us through what was going through your head when that happened. And then how long was it when you like did decommit and kind of went through a second recruiting process in a way? So, um, yeah, so I was committed to Notre Dame for two years. Um, then obviously the whole coaching changed, and then they went to Florida State um, and I decommitted. So I would say it was a, only a few weeks in between that I actually, like, made the decision. Um, but I kind of knew, um, like, once they left, that was kind of what I did want to – what I actually did want to do, so – so after you decommitted, and um, I'm sure there was a couple other schools that reached out besides that Notre Dame coaching staff that went to FSU, um, were there a couple other schools that you potentially looked into? Or in your mind, are you thinking, okay, FSU is kind of, once you decommitted, did you kind of already have it in your head that FSU is kind of the place you were going to be at? So um, after it happened, I kind of um, – I was almost positive and almost set on what I wanted to do, and that was Florida State, but – um, I still looked into some other schools, but not really much at all. So I was pretty much almost set on going to Florida State for sure. Okay. So do you have some good relationships with some other guys who are committed to Florida State? Were there some other Notre Dame guys who decommitted and went to Florida State as well? Um, yes. So there's um, some other ones um, who have had the same path as me who are there now um, that have good relationships but with um, – um, my, like my pitching coach and some other guys that I'm always around with, um, they like they were going to Notre Dame. And it was kind of um, this whole like relationship. I don't know how to describe it. Um, There's just a lot there with that. So okay, so kind of take us through what your relationships like with that FSU coaching staff. Kind of committing to them when they were at Notre Dame. They moved that they move they uh, move on from Notre Dame this past summer go to FSU. So now like you've known them now for a pretty good, a lot, good amount of time. So can I take us through what your relationships like with some of those guys? Yeah. So um, I do think I have a really good relationship with them. Um, I really think that they will do good with um, the Florida state program. That's obviously why I did go with them and um, they have some good relationships with the people who I'm connected with. So that's also a good thing like locally. Um, so. So when you were first going to Notre Dame, your freshman year, um, you're kind of going through that recruiting process. Um, in your mind, you're thinking, okay, Notre Dame is the place I want to go. Um, who was that main point of contact 
on that Notre Dame coaching staff that you're kind of talking to the most? Um, so is the assistant coach Rich Wallace. Okay, and he is he's at FSU as well. Um, yes, he is. Okay, so no, the Notre Dame coaching staff. It wasn't just the head coach that left. It was like a couple of those guys who left and also went to the same program. Uh, yes, so four of them. Okay, I I knew the head coach went, but I guess I didn't really know that. Um, the rest of the coaching staff went as well. Um, but no, so yes. signing day was last week. We see a bunch of guys. I mean, I I follow a lot of you guys. So I just see like, Oh, I'm signing my national letter of intent, this and this, everyone's welcome. So-and-so uh, what was that like? Um, just being committed to a school, although Florida state's not the school you originally committed to. What was that like just being committed to a school for a pretty long time since your freshman year um, to where last week you kind of make it official to where, you know, now, you know, you will hundred percent be going to FSU to play college baseball. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, it was kind of cool to um, finally actually sign because, like, since I committed, it's been such a long – it's been over two years since I originally committed to Notre Dame. So, like, it felt, like, so far in the distance. But, like, now that I'm here, it's, like – like, I'm obviously very happy that I'm, like, close to being in college and I'm, I'm glad where I'm at right now. So, yeah. And what are you, what are you looking forward to most of kind of just being done with – being done with high school in a way, uh, I guess probably kind of catching senioritis as you head into the final spring of just going to classes and not being like just not being a college student yet. Uh, what are you looking forward to most of kind of getting done with high school and moving on to just the next phase of your life? So um, I'm most excited about, I feel like baseball almost being a like of it actually really being like a job, but in a good way um like like it is now but like really like step that up in college and then um just with the weather in Florida compared to where I'm at right now um you know I really just once they moved to Florida State then I was kind of like that's uh, that's another big deal with me like I really I wasn't too picky on where I wanted to go weather-wise but now that I'm going to Florida like that's I mean that's that's a bigger thing now so I was gonna say, I mean that that Notre Dame weather is pr pretty cold. I yeah, mean, it's not. What in weather? I mean that that wouldn't have been the place to go. But yeah, I mean I can handle it, but um, at the end of the day, if I'm uh, being torched in a t-shirt every year, I have to take that. Yeah. All right. So let's kind of dig into the travel the travel ball just a little bit. So you played for USA Prime, great program there. Um, mm -hmm. played for Red Scout team a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and take it. You played for them during East Coast Pro, uh, potentially some other events as well. Uh, but just kind of take us through how you got connected with USA Prime um, and just their program in general. Um, so uh, originally um, I had been asked by Mark Nellis to uh, play with him before he was at USA Prime. So I had a connection with him before. And then he asked me to play with him full time during the summer. Um, so that's how I kind of started to be a full time player at USA Prime. Um, and I'm very glad that I did make the decision and, and to play for them so okay and who did mark nellis coach beforehand and when did he switch over to usa prime um it was so he was the coach of team elite 15u um and i think it was the year after that that he moved okay so how so how how many summers did you play with usa prime just this past summer okay so who were you playing with before usa prime and playing for mark uh park uh, mark nellis um so my 16th summer, I played with U.S. Elite. 
And then before that, I played with Rhino Baseball as a local team. Okay. So US, U.S. Elite's also a pretty good program. So how would you mm-hmm. go ahead and compare playing for USA Prime this past summer compared to when you were playing for U.S. Elite? Um, yes. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of similarities with the talent level, but I feel like um, USA Prime is just um, – there's a lot of – like the whole team is just stacked. I don't know how to say it. Like yeah. everyone on that team is very good. Um, just a step of – ahead of the competition with US League, but US League was definitely up there. They were really good when I played with them. So yeah. Well if you, if you go through that USA Prime roster, especially the team that you were on, I mean Bryce Eldridge, Antonio Anderson, Coleman Mizell, um Ashton Larson, I mean Dylan Head's another one. I I'm I watched a couple Dylan uh, Derek Schaefer. I mean that team is just absolutely loaded. So what's what was it like kind of not, I mean, learning away, learning in a way from guys who are your age as well, but just playing along with guys that are your caliber of talent, also going to Power Five schools. Like, what was that like? Just playing all summer with those type of those caliber of guys. Yeah, so it just really feels like it's like where I belong, like compared with all my other teammates since they're since they're also going to um, Power Five schools and all that. Like iron sharpens iron. Like everyone's good. Everyone like. Um we're all up there. I feel like, and everyone's kind of on the same level and everyone's got the same goal to obviously either play power five baseball or um, be a draft pick out of high school. So I feel like that's also a good thing. Yeah. So obviously that USA prime roster is loaded. Um, but uh, what do you think has, what do you think has led to the success of the USA prime program and kind of enticed all you big prospects who are committed to power five schools to go and play for that program? Um, I think it's just it could be um, just how how the roster is with all those good players. Like if a person's wanting to join a team like that and they think they're able to compete with those guys and compete against other teams, I feel like that's a really good point to be like, all right, I feel like that's where I belong on the field and being with those other really good uh, baseball players. So I want to be on that team to in order to compete against other really good kids. So, yeah. So you mentioned Mark Nellis there. I take it was he the, he was he the seventeen you head coach this past summer? Um, no, he was not. Okay. He was, yeah, it was uh, Brandon Chancellor. Okay. So, what's your relationship like with Brandon and with Mark Nellis? Um, kind of, you said you knew him before he transferred to the USA Prime organization. So, just kind of take us through what your relationships likes with those guys. Um. Yeah. So, um, I did have a pretty good uh, relationship with Mark. Obviously. Um. Um, just every so often, um, you know, have a chat with them, um, talk about what's going on. And then, uh, they obviously, they did help out a lot, um, with my second recruiting process after decommitting and helping out with that. And so. Okay. So you're also met of the perfect game website mentioned that you played for the Cincinnati Red Scout team. Like I said, I assume that is for East coast pro, but kind of take us through the Red Scout team and how you got connected with them and then potentially some other tournaments or events that you were playing along those guys with. Yeah, so that was not um, for East Coast Pro. Um, I don't – I'm not in, like, the – in the boundaries for that. Okay. So, um, yeah, so the the Red Scout team is kind of just like a – it's more of a Midwest um, kind of team, and that's where they – basically they pull all their guys from, from the Midwest, and then they'll play uh, – like four or five tournaments around the Midwest and then they'll play the 
um, the tournament in Jupiter too at the end. So right. that's kind of what they do. It's, it's a so fall so team what, only. Okay. So how did you find time to play for the Red Scout team as well? Obviously playing for USA Prime this past summer. Uh, how did you balance that schedule playing up against, playing with USA Prime and playing with the Red Scout team? So I was only playing with uh, USA Prime in the summer, and then I would be playing with um, the Red Scout team in the fall. Okay. Um. So just with your travel ball career obviously coming to an end, um, I'm not sure if you're going to go ahead and play at MLK um, this com- upcoming January or not. Um, but no, now that your travel ball career has come to an end, uh, just looking back on it, what are some of your favorite travel ball memories? Just looking back at US, US Elite, USA Prime, uh, playing for that Red Scout team, uh, just traveling the country, playing baseball with some of the top prospects in the country. Just kind of take us through what some of your favorite travel ball memories are. So um, I think a lot of my just favorite, like, memories are just, just having fun with my teammates. Uh, you obviously remember, like, a lot of stuff like all right we won this tournament we won this but like ultimately i feel like what you uh one of the best things you take out of it is just so the relationships um you have with people at the end so yeah so like i said you get to travel the country playing up with usa prime us elite cincinnati red scout team uh when you're traveling that traveling the country what is your favorite facility that you were able to play at um, because I know, I mean, you're playing at Lake Point, East Cobb, um, playing in Hoover, playing in Cary potentially as well. Um, what's your favorite facility when it comes to that? When uh, comes to those types of facilities? Um, so facility-wise, it has to easily be um the USA Baseball Complex in Cary. Okay. Um, I think easily that's the nicest fields I've played on. Um, I think a a a nice dirt field always beats a nice turf field any day. Um, but also just the vibe of being at Lake Point too. That's also another big thing. Like when you're there, it just feels like that's the home of travel baseball. Yeah. So out of all, out of all the people that you have faced so far in your career, uh, playing up against some of the top tier programs in the nation at all the, at Lake Point at Cary at all those different events, who would you say is probably the toughest hitter that you have faced in your career so far? Um, the toughest hitter might be um, Owen Murphy. Uh, he was a first-round draft pick last year. Um, he's kind of more local around me. Um, he works out at the same facility that I do, so I always be facing him in live at-bats. So um, I think he's um, just the best person I've faced so far. So so, so take us through in a bat against Owen. Kind of you're facing him, counts OO, and kind of just how, how would you go ahead and how would you attack Owen? Um, I would attack him um, fastball inside. That's the that's just what I would usually do against him. And then I would try to after that maybe second and third pitch go um, curveball and then try to end it with a fastball. Okay, so talking about Owen, kind of talking about Illinois high school baseball. You said he's you're the same region as you, so I take it he also plays played in Illinois. Yeah, okay. um, he's. He's around 30, 40 minutes away from me. Okay. So let's kind of dig into high school baseball in general in Illinois. Um, Cause I mean, I kind of like digging into whatever player I have on the podcast, digging into what that high school baseball is like in their state. So kind of just take us through what that's like in your area, your region, some of the other top prospects you're playing up against and what that competition level looks like um, just in Illinois high school baseball, in your opinion. Yeah. So I think, um, I think Illinois high school baseball is um, 
very underrated, um, in my opinion. I feel like there's a lot of great players um, every single year that comes out of Illinois and goes on to play um, high-level college and professionally. Um, so I feel like it's just very underrated. So when you're playing your regular season schedule at Plainfield East, uh, like how often are you generally playing another Power 5 commit? Like is it pretty rare to face somebody like that? Or are you playing a guy like – obviously I know A.J. Garcia is up there that direction as well. Um, mm. T.J. Schuyler. I know like that they're up in Illinois as well. So like like how often are you facing another Power 5 guy? Yeah, so those two guys are more um, up north from, from me, so I wouldn't be playing them normally in high school. But um, I would say, like, in my conference, pretty much every school, I feel like every year has one or two, like, Division One commits, whether it's Power 5 or not. Um, so that's where I, I think we stand. Um, usually every, every school has, you know, one, maybe two uh, D1 commits. So how did last season go for you guys at Plainfield East? And then what are you expecting this year going into your senior spring? Are you guys bringing a lot of guys back or just overall can you take us through that a little bit? Um, so last year we did very good in the regular season, I feel like. Um, but we lost the second um, game of the playoffs. Um, and then the year before we won state. So that was kind of a, a big thing for us was two years ago, my sophomore year. So with you being a senior this year and also being a Power 5 commit going to FSU, are you looked at as a leader in that locker room or do you kind of like to stand back and kind of just focus on your game? Yeah, so I really do feel like I'm um, one of the leaders on the team, both um, really by action and also vocally too. So Okay. All right, so uh, moving on a little bit to actually when you're actually on the field playing ball. Um, so can I take us through what your pitching repertoire is like, um, just the pitches that you throw and maybe what the velos are on that and kind of just give us a little scouting report on yourself a little bit. Yeah, so my fastball, um, it's a four seam with um, just natural um, run. So it's about um, 88 to 92, give or take every start. Um, that's kind of my – that's my number one pitch. I feel like um, I can use that. Um, just whenever I want. Um, and then I have a curveball also. Um, it's around, say, 70, 72 miles an hour. Um, and then I have a splitter, which is around um, 80 miles an hour too. Okay. So you got a three-pitch mix there. Like, are you planning on bringing in any other pitches before you head to FSU, or are you pretty dead set with that uh, pitching repertoire you got right now? Yeah, so I might um, – bring in another pitch, but I'm not really too sure on what it would be Okay. Um, yet, but I'm planning on it. So when you do go about adding new pitches to your repertoire, um, kind of how have you done it in the past and kind of what's, what's your mindset on how you add different pitches? Because I know some pitchers are like really strict on, okay, I'm not going to do it at this point in the season. I'm going to do it here. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, so kind of just take us through what your method of adding new pitches is for you. Yeah, so um, I usually – wouldn't add a pitch mid-season. I would try to start it in the off-season and work on it um, to be able to build that confidence, to be able to, to throw it, like, during the season. Um, but I feel like the biggest thing is just playing catch with it every day and, like, always throwing all my off-speed pitches every single time I play catch. Um, that's just a big thing to be able to just gain confidence with it 
And sometimes, like, when I'm trying to add a new pitch, not thinking too much about it and just kind of throwing it and just getting that confidence for it, I feel like can really help me um, gain confidence to be able to use in-game. So in your mind, like, what is the pitch that maybe needs the most work out of your repertoire? And then if you were a scout watching your game, like, what would be the overall scouting report on yourself? Um, So I think the pitch that needs the most work would be my splitter. Um, I've been kind of working on it for the past two years. Um, you know, I've gained a, a good amount of confidence with it, but I still need a little bit extra um, to be like, like sure that, you know, I feel like it's going to be there every day of the week that I pitch. Um, so, and then scouting report, right? Yeah. So I would just say just like a fastball with life. Um, that's kind of just how I would put it. That's really my, I would say my number one pitch. And then um, I would say like a strikeout curveball. Um like when I throw it, it really has, I feel like it has a lot of break and like I do get a lot of swing and misses off of that. Um, that's kind of, that can go off my fastball. And then my splitter just needs a little bit of work with it, just a little bit of confidence. Okay. So nowadays, I mean, arm care for pitchers has become more, more and more common. Obviously, after um, the early 2000s when MLB pitchers were throwing 250, 300 innings. I mean, that's no longer a thing anymore. So arm care is becoming very, very important. Um, so when it comes to arm care methods for yourself, um, how do you kind of take care of your arm after a start, um, in between your starts, and just kind of take us through that a little bit? So I feel like one of the biggest things for myself with arm care is just lifting weights just in general. Um, I feel like that can really just help just like trying to strengthen the muscles. And then after like a start, um, just try to do movements like to, um, to like move, to like move it around, like gain the mobility back, um, like stuff like bear crawls, like trying to just move my shoulders, like um, stabilize them. So, all right. So I know you said you are a little injured right now, coming back from injury. But when it comes to a regular off season, kind of what is your schedule of kind of when you start to deload and then when you start to ramp back up for that regular season for that spring? Yeah, so usually um, it would be around mid-October that I that like the official off season would start. And I would take a few weeks off of throwing and it would just be straight, straight uh, lifting weights. And then I'm still obviously after that lifting weights hard. Um, but then adding in the throwing. And then once you kind of get around um, and I increase the intensity, once you kind of get around um, February-ish, late January, start throwing bullpens, stuff like that. Right. And then the high school season would start um, mid-March. So, All right. So let's, let's move away a little bit from the actual on-the-field play. Let's move on to the business side of baseball. Like I said, I'm trying to be an advisor and an well, advisor slash agent once I do graduate here from college in a couple of years. Um, so when I get players on, I kind of like to dig into their advisor selection process and kind of how they went about it, how advisors reached out to them and just different stuff like that. Um, so when was it that advisors kind of started reaching out to you? Um, so I would say after um, my 16 year so so um, that, yeah, that was just about when they started reaching out to me. So, 
And how, what was the main source of reaching out? Was there a lot of guys who were meeting you in person at tournaments, potentially just walking up to you? Uh, was there text messages, uh, social media DMs? I know that's uh, some agents capitalize on that as well. Um, so what was the main way um, agents were reaching out to you? Yes, the main way was um, like just by phone. So text messages, phone calls, stuff like that. Okay. So when you were going through that process of picking an advisor, uh, what were some of those key things that you were looking for? Um, so I would say someone who's not really too pushy um, and someone who's just like, I don't know, I, someone who I feel like is for my own good and not just for me as just like a baseball player. Um, well, obviously for me as a baseball player, but they want the best for my career. Um, that's who I really feel like. Okay. Um, would be the best. So as you were as you were going through that process and you were meeting these different guys, uh, what was maybe the most impressive thing that you saw an advisor do to kind of just to catch your attention or kind of just kind of gain your trust in a way? Um. So the best thing I would I thought um was one of them had a presentation, um, just a presentation on like what they do, like what their company is. Um, stuff like that and then they also had me on there too so it really feels like they did like their research on me and really knew who I was instead of trying to interview me so they were trying to like show themselves to me like who they are um, and what they do like that so so for the most part when you're meeting with advisors and kind of going through that selection process were there multiple agencies that had presentations put together or for the most part, was it just kind of like sit down dinners with you and your family? Uh, can I take us through what some of those like actual interactions were with those advisors? Yeah. So it's just one that had a presentation like that. So. Okay. Um. So when you would meet with advisors, like would they be like in home visits? Would they be like going out to dinner and just uh, chopping it up while you're eating some food? Like how, for the most, like what were some of those meetings like? Um, so it'd more be over the phone. So okay. that's how we kind of did it. All right. Oh, all right. So I just got a couple more questions here for you before we end it off. Uh, like I said, um, I like to dig, dig away from the baseball field a little bit to end off the most part with most, po most podcasts. I'm kind of just dig into some of the passions and some other stuff going on in players lives. That way fans can kind of see who you are beyond the baseball field. Um, so when it comes to beyond baseball, uh, what are some of the passions that you have beyond the field? Um, so my biggest passion outside of baseball is uh, playing golf. Um, I'm always trying to get out and play golf, like whenever the weather allows me to and whether, whenever I have time to play um, outside of my baseball schedule. So I have played for um, the high school golf team um, all my time in high school. So that's also another just fact about me. Okay. So are you, are you a lefty swing or a righty swing? Yeah, I'm a lefty swinger. Okay. I wasn't sure because I mean I know it says on perfect game you're a lefty swinger for, for baseball. Mm -hmm. But I have I've had I have heard of some guys who are lefty lefty throwers, lefty hitters who swing righty for golf. Doesn't make much sense, but I mean yeah. uh before you became a PO, do you think uh swinging the golf club around, do you think that affected your baseball swing at all? Or do you think that's kind of a myth? Um personally, I think it's a myth. Um I still swing for high school, so I still have both like my baseball sling and my golf sling like clashing together, but I don't think it really makes that big of a difference personally. All right. So you mentioned there that you actually are hitting now. Um, you are going to be a PO when you hit the Florida state, but in high school you're hitting and pitching. 
Um, so when it does come time to hang up that bat and kind of focus on pitching, like how do you, in your eyes, how do you see your pitching game evolving a little bit quicker when it does come time just to focus solely on pitching? Yeah, so um, obviously I'd hope to um, make better gains um, with my pitching later on when I'm only focusing on pitching and not hitting. But uh, right now it's mostly um, just pitching and then hitting comes second um, just because that's what I'm going to do in college. So that's my main priority right now. Okay. All right. So I know you are in Plainfield, Illinois. I am from Indiana. So, I mean, Illinois is not too far, but obviously, I mean, I'm not traveling to go see, so I'm not going to Plainfield all the time. Um, So when it comes to you being a resident of Plainfield, like what are some of your favorite things to do in Plainfield? Uh, is it like a smaller, bigger town? Like kind of take us through that a little bit. I would say it's a bigger town, but it's spread out. So, um, you know, like there's, there's like cornfields and stuff, but there's also like, um, like huge areas of just houses. And then there's like just, in some places, just, uh, just lots of open land. So that's, it's kind of got a feel of like kind of a city, but also almost in the middle of nowhere sometimes too. So, okay. So obviously as you continue on to your, into your baseball career, go, potentially going to FSU, potentially getting drafted, uh, what is it that motivates you on a day-to-day -day basis, just helps you get out of bed every morning and just kind of go and win the day? Yeah, so um, I think, as I see myself, in my opinion, um, the best version of myself is me on the mound. So everything that I try to do every single day is basically leading up to try to better myself on the mound. Okay. So let's say you continue to better yourself on the mound, continue to better yourself as a person, as a ball player. Uh, what is it, if everything goes right, what is the perfect picture of your life in 20 years as you're a 38, 39-year-old, uh, potentially, I don't know, working somewhere or playing in the major leagues in and off your career? If everything goes right, what is the perfect picture of your life? Um, I would say it's just having the best career that I feel like I could have um, playing professional baseball. Okay, there we go. I mean, that's per perfect answer right there. Um, now I got one last question here for you before we end it off. Um, so obviously name, image, and likeness, probably something you've definitely heard of uh, these past year and a half or so since it kind of got passed to where college athletes can now endorse brands, collaborate with brands. Uh, when you do head to FSU, what would be one dream brand that you would love to work with one day? Um, I feel like it would have to be either – um, Nike or Wilson, those are two things. Um, I'm always wearing Nike stuff. And then um, baseball gloves, Wilson is um, by far, I think, the best, in my opinion. So okay, those like, are like – You like Wilson better than you like Rawlings? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, man, that's all the questions I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I know I kind of reached out a while back at the late end of summer, uh, but schedule's just been jam-packed when it comes to like the Arkansas stick series I had going on. Um, just other guys who are reaching out as well. And just, just the schedule just wasn't working out, but no, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I really I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I'll definitely be following your career as you head to FSU, uh, potentially getting drafted next year or when uh, down the road in a couple of years when it comes down to it. Um, no, I just really want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.